the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Folks, this is a rather significant truth. In fact, it's a critical truth to grasp because this is precisely the same way that Satan tempts you and me, especially in the area of our marriage. He suggests to us that the Christian life is just too strict. It's too narrow. There are too many negatives that God wants us to live by, that God is really a cosmic killjoy. He's out to take all the fun and enjoyment and freedom out of life because he really doesn't care about us. All he cares is about glorifying his name. He doesn't care about us. We do have a tendency to focus on our restrictions rather than our freedoms, don't we? But I once heard someone say that if we concentrated on doing the do's, we wouldn't have time for the don'ts. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Our study topic is the biblical marriage. While some of us have wonderful relationships with our spouse, some of us are absolutely miserable. And there's a tendency to blame God for our misery. Why has he stuck me in this miserable situation, we ask? He must really hate me. Ever heard comments like that? I have, and sometimes they come from Christians who should know better. We should know better, but as Eve demonstrated in Genesis 3, we're prone to fall for the schemes of the devil if we don't follow God's instructions for dealing with them. Let's see what we can learn now from Eve's tragic error. Here's Pastor Steve. So going back to Genesis 3, we ask this then. So what's Satan doing in the Garden of Eden talking through this snake to Eve? Well, as a fallen angel, Satan is now the avowed enemy of God. He hates everything God loves. He's opposed to everything that God approves of. He resents God. He resents his authority. And so he naturally then is going to be in opposition to Adam and Eve as the highest of God's created beings. You see, Adam and Eve are the closest in character to what God is like. Remember, we studied that he created man in his image and in his likeness, which means in personality, Man resembles God. And so Satan is about to try to defeat God's plan by tempting Eve to sin and to disobey the Lord. So here's the scenario that Genesis 3 presents. Using the form of a beautiful, very clever animal, Satan is about to begin to talk to Eve. And his intention in doing this is to deceive her. That's his motives. So we read the rest of verse 1. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Now, as Satan begins to speak to Eve, he initiates the conversation in the form of a, of a question that he puts to her. He asks her if God has said that she and Adam cannot eat from all of the trees in the garden of Eden. See, back in Genesis chapter 2, God had told Adam that he could eat from all of the trees of the garden except one. 
the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was in the center of the garden. Notice back in chapter 2, starting in verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man. He put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate and to keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. And so what Satan is, is asking Eve now is this, if this is really what God said to them. Is this what God has said to you? But understand, this is not an innocent question being asked by Satan because he just doesn't know the answer. He's just kind of a curious type. No, Satan knows exactly what God told Adam and Eve. See, this is a question, as I said, asked with malicious intent because it is a question that is designed, watch this, to put doubt in Eve's mind concerning God's goodness. In other words, what the devil is really saying to Eve is, Eve, you got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. God didn't really say that to you, did he? You see, what Satan is suggesting to Eve is that God isn't being fair with she and Adam. That God is wrong to prohibit them from this one tree. That God doesn't have their best interest at heart. Here's the wicked subtlety of Satan's words. His words, at least, about eating. While God gave Adam and Eve a very positive command about eating, it's a very good command, they could eat in the sense that there was a great deal of freedom to eat whatever they wanted to eat with just one exception. But other than that, take whatever you want. Satan comes along and he twists this freedom. He twists it to sound as if God's command is just so negative. It's just so restrictive, so narrow that he's holding something back from you that would be good for you to have. In other words, instead of dwelling on all that God has given to to Eve, Satan calls her attention to the one, and I might add the only thing that God didn't give her, and therefore he is accusing God of being negative, overly strict, and just uncaring for them. Folks, this is a rather significant truth. In fact, it's a critical truth to grasp because this is precisely the same way that Satan tempts you and me, especially in the area of our marriage. He suggests to us that the Christian life is just too strict. It's too narrow. There are too many negatives that God wants us to live by, that God is really a cosmic killjoy. He's out to take all the fun and enjoyment and freedom out of life because he really doesn't care about us. All he cares is about glorifying his name. He doesn't care about us. Now listen very carefully. One of Satan's key tactics and strategies is to cast doubt in your mind about God's dealings in your life. He wants you to question whether the Lord has your best interests at heart. He wants you to have suspicions concerning God's goodness, God's wisdom, God's love for you. He wants you to wonder if God isn't holding something back, some some form of happiness from you because he really doesn't care about you. He just cares about himself. One of the key areas, as I said, of life where the devil tempts us along these lines is our marriages. He suggests these these types of, of thoughts. If God is so good, then why does he tell me 
that I have to stay married to someone I just don't love anymore and who doesn't love me. If God is so wonderful, if God is so kind, then why did he allow me to marry someone who treats me so horribly, who no longer loves me, who no longer cares about me, someone who's so insensitive to me, someone who who leads a life independent from me? If God is so loving, then why does he make me suffer by telling me that I have to stay and continue in such a miserable marriage? If God is so good, and cares about my welfare, why did he give me this husband? Why did he give me this wife? Surely I could have done better. He withheld something from me. So what what are you supposed to do if you start getting thoughts like this crossing your mind concerning your marriage? Well, listen, the thing that you don't want to do is what Eve did. You don't want to do what Eve did. She entertained Satan's sinister question by giving it serious consideration. She thought about it. She should have just dismissed this question immediately. But instead, she responds to Satan's question. She actually engages him in a dialogue. Verses two and three. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Now with these words, what Eve is doing is she's simply rehearsing to Satan what God has already told her and Adam. Now you may wonder, why is Eve talking to a snake if snakes don't talk? Well, keep in mind at this point, Eve may not have known that animals don't talk. It's very possible that this encounter with the The snake may have taken place the very day of her creation. For all we know, this woman's only a few hours old, and she doesn't know any better about snakes. But regardless of of why she wasn't shocked by carrying on this conversation with the snake, we do know that she should have never responded to Satan. Not this way, and neither should you. See, whenever you entertain satanically, inspired thoughts by going back and forth in your mind with these thoughts, you're really having a dialogue with the devil and you will always come out on the losing end. Why? Because you and I are no match for him. He's brilliant. He's brighter than us. And he's a liar. And he's a deceptive liar. He will sometimes give you half-truths that will confuse you. And he's out to destroy you. First Peter chapter 5, he walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. He wants to devour you spiritually. He wants to make you ineffective spiritually. Keep in mind, Eve, at this point in her life, she had not sinned. She has an unfallen mind. And yet, she's on her way to being defeated by the devil and lured into sin. How much more are we susceptible to his temptations? Because we do have fallen minds. We have minds that have been corrupted by sin. We are fallen, sinful creatures. So how much more are we susceptible to his lies? And he is so deceptive. Paul teaches in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that he often comes to us looking good, disguised as an angel of light. So what should Eve have done when Satan tempted her to doubt God's love and goodness? She should have immediately submitted herself to God and to his word. He already had spoken 
the word to her. She should have affirmed her trust in God by not dialoguing with the devil and entertaining his doubts. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You resist him how? By submitting to God, submitting to his word. See, the more you entertain doubt, the more inclined you are to fall into sin by believing the devil's lies. But thank God we are not helpless victims to Satan's temptations because God has told us how to resist the devil. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. I read this earlier just for this reason because in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says that when you are attacked, you are to take on, even before you're attacked, you are to be wearing God's armor. He's given you protection for the day of battle. He's given you spiritual armor. He compares in Ephesians chapter 6, he compares our spiritual armor to the armor of a first century Roman soldier as he explains that this is how we can protect ourselves from the onslaughts of the devil. And he tells us about living in a godly manner. Now keep this in mind. When Paul wrote this, he was in prison. It may very well have been that he's looking with parchment before him and a writing tool. He's looking at a Roman soldier guarding him, and he may very well be looking up and writing down the various pieces of armor and saying that's exactly what God provides for us. So we begin in verse 10 where he says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full, notice the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. He doesn't want any part exposed, just like a Roman soldier It's not going to expose a part of him in battle because then he's very vulnerable. For our struggle, he says, it's not against flesh and blood. Now, you may think that you are struggling with another human being, but behind that is satanic warfare. We struggle, he says, against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. These are probably orders of fallen angelic beings in their own ranking. Therefore, he says, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. What is the evil day? I don't think Paul means some prophetic day in the future. I think he means any day that you're attacked is the evil day. May very well be today. Today. So he goes through and explains, starting in verse 14, what pieces of armor we need to be dressed in But he says in verse 16, and this is what I want you to see, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. One of the pieces of armor that we have is the shield of faith. What is the shield of faith? It is our trust in God and his word and by that shield of faith, by confidence in scripture. That's how we quench Satan's flaming arrows. Now, there are many fiery darts that Satan hurls at us, but one of those is his darts of tempting us to doubt God's goodness when we're going through a serious trial, especially in a marriage. So if you are being tempted with doubts concerning God's love and his concern for you because your marriage is just so difficult, then you have to take up that shield of faith. You need to trust what you know to be true about God. You may be confused. You may not be able to think clearly, but you need to trust what you do know about God, that he does love you and that he does care about you. 
1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Now, let me just show you something. In the book of Habakkuk in the Old Testament, Habakkuk was a prophet who was disturbed. When the book opens up, he's really confused. Israel has rebelled against God. They have disregarded the laws of God. And God has just revealed that he's going to punish Israel by bringing the Babylonians to destroy them. And Habakkuk is puzzled. How could this be? How could it be? Yes, we've rebelled against you, but the Babylonians, they're so much more wicked than us. How could you use them when they're wicked to punish us? Yes, when we're wicked. He's confused. He doesn't understand. He's questioning God. But in the midst of all of this, he gives us a great example. He affirms what he knows to be true, even though he doesn't understand it all. He affirms what he knows to be true about God. Notice verse 12. In the midst of saying, I don't understand, I don't know what's going on, he says, are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? He affirms that God is holy, that God is righteous, that he never makes a mistake, that God knows what he's doing. You jump down to verse 13. He says, your eyes are too pure to approve evil. You cannot Look upon wickedness with favor. Habakkuk affirms the truth that he does know about God. Folks, that's what you have to do. When you're struggling in your marriage, why am I married to this person? Why doesn't he love me? Why doesn't she care about me? Why, 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 why? You have to affirm God is good. God is righteous. You have to affirm that Romans 8.28 is true. All things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose because his purpose is to make you more like Christ. You have to affirm that as for God, his way is perfect. You have to affirm that he himself is perfect. That's what you have to affirm. What you know to be true, not staying and, and struggling with what you don't understand about God. What do you understand about God? I love what Spurgeon said when we cannot understand the hand of God, we can trust the heart of God. But that's not what Eve did. She entertained Satan's doubt about God's goodness by engaging him in a conversation, a dialogue. And look where it led. Verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. Now, this statement by the serpent is his response to Eve, having just told him, that God has declared that if she or Adam ate from the tree in the middle of the garden, they would die. But he says, no, no, you won't. You won't die if you eat from this tree. It's a lie. God is not telling you the truth. Listen, Satan is emphatic about this denial of the truth because in the original Hebrew text, the thought here is you will positively not die. It's not going to happen. Now, this is an outright denial by Satan of the word of God. This is an outright lie by the person Jesus said is the father of lies. But you see, this is his pattern. Having already cast doubt on God's character by asking Eve, has God really said something that unreasonable as forbidding you to eat from all the trees? Now the devil goes for the kill and he denies God's integrity. He denies it by saying that his word, it's just not true. I don't care what he told you. That's not happening. That's not true. But the devil takes it a step further. 
more than deny the truthfulness of God's word, he now proceeds to explain to Eve why God would lie to her and Adam by impugning God's motives as sinful. Notice verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. With these words, Satan is accusing the Lord of being petty, sinfully jealous, small-minded. In effect, what he's saying is this. The real reason, Eve, that God told you and Adam not to eat from this particular tree is because he doesn't want you to be like he is. He doesn't want your eyes open to all the wisdom and knowledge that he has. He wants to keep this knowledge to himself. He is a petty God. He wants to keep you ignorant so that you don't become enlightened about good and evil like he is. He is holding you back. Can't you see that? Listen, this is the very crux of Satan's temptation to Eve. And this is the heart of every temptation he he throws at us today. Every temptation to sin in one way or another is really a temptation for us to want to be like God by being just as enlightened as he is. Now, why would Satan do that? Why would he tempt us along these lines? Listen closely. If Satan can convince you that you can be like God in terms of enlightenment and your knowledge, then you really don't need God anymore. What do you need him for? If you think that you can be like God by acquiring information and knowledge, then you don't need him or his word because you have replaced God and his word with your enlightened mind. Frankly, this is the philosophy of the world that we live in today. It's a world that relies upon its knowledge that's acquired through education and information and resources and science. Therefore, it has no need for God. We've got the answers. On a personal level, once you have bought into this lie, you are going to sin because your thinking rather than scripture becomes your final authority. And it's the standard by which you make decisions. You see, Eve should have been content with what she knew, what God had had told her. She had all the knowledge that she needed, all the knowledge God wanted her to have at this point in time. But she didn't feel that that was enough for her. So she's about to reject God's word to her in seeking to acquire more knowledge. And in doing so, she is left to her own thoughts. And so she makes a decision based on what she thinks is right. This is the most significant decision that Eve will ever make. And tragically, she bases it on her feelings rather than God's revelation. Notice verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. Stop there. Now, this is where temptation turns into sin. Temptation is not sin. It's when you give in to temptation that it becomes sin. But this is where she gave in to temptation. Turns to sin. Instead of making a decision based on the objective truth of God's word, Eve went with her heart. She went with her feelings. As we say, she went with her guts, and they were wrong, dead wrong. The tree was good to eat, so it appealed to her physical appetite. It's her feelings. The tree looked good. It was a delight to her eyes, so it appealed to her emotions. The tree was desirable to make one wise because she wanted to gain knowledge and be like God, so it appealed to her mind and to her pride. 
So we read at the end of verse 6 that she took from its fruit and ate. And then tragically, she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Crunch. I think that the moment in which Adam and Eve chose to follow their egos and Satan's lies was the pivotal moment in all of history. All it took was a bite, and suddenly the very nature of humanity went from perfection to depravity. Nothing would ever be the same. There is no way to exaggerate the magnitude of that tragic moment. And yet, as the Bible teaches us, God knew it would happen and already had a plan to remedy it and glorify himself. I'm glad you could be here today for Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. You can contact Lakeside at their website, lakesidechapel.com, or call 727-441-1714. That number again is 727-441-1714. We're studying the biblical marriage in this series. If you missed any of the previous broadcasts, you can catch up on the message archive page at our website, versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. While some of us may have really good marriages, not all of us do. And no matter how good ours is, we can all stand some improvement. But in order to fix something, we need to know what went wrong. Next time on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will get to the heart of the problem and God's solution. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.